a big part of it is is this is the forgiveness piece you know and you said it it we're not forgiving others for others it's for us i mean the 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 damage that's being done is to ourselves because of the hatred the anger all the stuff that we're carrying that again most of us don't even realize is seeping out and and reaching every aspect of our life in some way or another and so to to finally release that and to heal that, the freedom, brother, the freedom that comes from that, it's unreal. It is a game, it is the game changer. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul. In the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. During this episode, John Finch shares his miraculous lifelong story of how he was finally able to come to peace and forgive his father, who committed suicide when he was just a boy. John talks about the defining moment that allowed him to release his negative feelings and find compassion and acceptance for who his father was. That forgiveness freed him and drastically changed his life so much for the better It's really beautiful, and I'm so happy for John. He channeled his story into his career, writing a book and creating a movie called The Father Effect. John Finch, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me, brother. Looking forward to this conversation, my man. Yes, absolutely. So um, me and John were introduced through a mutual buddy, uh, Mike Koala, who was also a guest on the podcast. And what just a beautiful man he is, really. Just um, such like a facilitator. Just one of my like things I love most about uh, about uh, Mike is that he is just like a giver. You know what I mean? He's just like there to help and support people and give his time and energy uh, to other people, which is just to me like really means so much, right? You can be given gifts in so many ways, but for for Mike just to reach out constantly, um, just let like letting me know that he's there. Uh, connecting uh, me, you, and then someone else too. He also uh, connected just so we could chat, uh, meet more like-minded people. Uh, it's just really cool. And um, I'm not even totally sure. How do you and Mike uh, know each other? 
So Mike and I connected, man, it's probably been three or four years ago. He had seen some of the stuff I would do. I was doing with fathers on Twitter and he's got a heart for fathers for helping dads. And, and he had a, uh, had a, a little deal called dinner table MBA. And so it was this really unique concept of literally a set of cards where when dads were at the dinner table with their kiddos and family, they could just pull one of the cards and it was a question. You know, could it be funny something, whatever. Yeah. And, and or the kids could pick a card, right, for dad to, to start answering and stuff. So it was a great concept. All of it was about, you know, let's get the family back around the dinner table and, and have some real great conversations. And so uh, he had a heart for father. So he reached out to me and we just became good friends, man. And, and through the years, uh, like you said, just he's so solid and such a giver and he's a busy, busy dude. And yet he reaches out to me to touch base and check in and all that. So he can't get better. Can't get any better than that. Exactly. He is such a good dude. And that's the thing. It's like, we know he's busy, but he just still makes the effort to just reach out and touch base, uh, make sure people are doing okay, seeing if he could be of service in any way. Just really a, a phenomenal dude. So just really grateful he was able to uh, introduce us. Uh, and John, I definitely want to talk about you, obviously, um, and the father effect. You know, it's all over social media, uh, the movie, a book. So I would just love personally and for the audience as well, um, just to have a better understanding if you could just maybe just first off before even getting to the father effect, just kind of what the father effect is uh, currently right now. So, you know, the, the, the meaning of the father effect, which it was a phrase and term I came up, came up with back in 2010. And I was just thinking, how does, you know, it was, it was really simple in the sense that I was, I was thinking through how does a father impact, you know, a family in a way that that's generational, that literally is for like hundreds of years, because that's essentially what we're doing as dads. We're doing that right now in our daily activities. We're shaping and molding our kids normal and what they'll continue to carry on till their kids and their kids and their kids. So uh, the idea was just trying to help dads walk in daily awareness of the impact they have on their kids, because I think there's a lot of dads out there that don't really understand just how powerful their impact is. So the father effect, the, the term overall is, that's kind of what that is. We've got a movie called The Father Effect, which is free on YouTube. Uh, I was very lucky and blessed to get a publishing deal as a result of the movie, which is really kind of backwards, <laughs> right? Usually you, you, you do a book and then a movie, but we yeah. did it totally backwards. Um, but it's really a story about my life growing up without a father, uh, my story woven in a bunch of other people's stories along with experts that just talk about this, this epidemic that's so big and a lot bigger than I thought when I first started making the movie. And it's, I think, a story of hope and encouragement in the sense that it's real, it's authentic. I mean, it's, we talk about some real issues that fatherless men and women have and how to get beyond them and how to have hope and encouragement as a result. And, and more importantly, find forgiveness. And then, so with the father effect, is it mainly, it, it does it run the gamut of all fathers or is it mainly focused towards people uh, who grew up without a father or lost their father? 
So there's a couple of different levels, actually. So, yeah, the stories are really about sons and daughters who grew up without a father. Now, most people think absent father, physically absent. But we're also talking about the emotionally absent dad, the dad that was right there in the home, but chose to do other things rather than making his his child a priority, right? And and making that child feel that he was he or she was the most important thing in his life. And so there's the absent father, uh, both physically and emotionally. But then it's really for for grown men and women, because I have more women that reach out to me than men, uh, because women are a lot more open <laughs> when it comes to, you know, conversation and, and these type of things. Mm-hmm. Men struggle yeah. because of their pride and because we we somehow think that we need to suck it up, man up, figure it out on our own when in a lot of these things, we just can't. And we need some kind of guide or counselor or somebody to kind of help walk us through the process and the journey. So um, it's 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 for men and women, but we talk about a couple of different things. There. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because right when you kind of said absent, I did just instantly think physically absent and not around. But obviously, being emotionally uh, absent is... It's like a whole nother thing, right? Because you're actually there, but you're not. So that's got to be really confusing for a child, right? Because literally, like in physicality, their father is right there in front of them. But emotionally and spiritually, if you're not there um, to connect with your child, then you're almost like not really there uh, at all. It's almost, I think, to a degree more damaging. Um, I had somebody asked me on a radio show a few years ago, you know, what's worse? the dad that's no longer there, that's that, you know, you have a father wound, if you will, from a dad that's no longer there or from a dad that's still alive. So for example, in my case, my dad committed suicide. So, you know, eventually I found forgiveness and it was, it was fairly easy because he was no longer there to disrupt things, right? Whether he wanted the forgiveness or not, it didn't matter because he was no longer alive with the dads that are still alive and they've been wounded, their, their sons or daughters have been wounded. That's a, a daily reminder of the wound. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so many dads that, that don't think they've done anything wrong. You know, they really don't think they've done anything wrong and don't need to ask forgiveness for anything. So yeah, it gets, it gets pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, and, and John, just in, in terms of your, um, your own father, um, you said it was, you know, somewhat easy uh, to forgive him. Were you uh, forgiving him for committing suicide and leaving you? Were you forgiving him for the father he was while he was alive? So, and let me rephrase that. When I said it, I meant easy to forgive him. It was not easy. It was a long process. It was easy to forgive him because he was already dead. Right. Yeah. If he would have still been alive, I think the process of forgiving him could have been a little more difficult because, again, that the the physical being there and having to Mm -hmm. see him and all those type of things. But the the process was was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, I was a very angry and upset guy, just ticked. I mean, for 30 years, I didn't show it outwardly, but inside I was just a ticking time bomb because I was very angry that my dad abandoned me. And I had this, uh, this wound of abandonment and betrayal. I just couldn't understand how a dad 
could leave his family. And I was a dad myself, you know, the last 20 years, right, of this whole scenario. And so I just could not understand. I couldn't fathom that. And the more and more I heard of his story and the incredibly difficult life he had growing up, I began to have a compassion for him. So this, this hatred, this, this, I used to refer to the guy as a coward, like my old man's a coward, right? So as I went through this journey and, and honestly, being a man of faith, it was God showing me this, this forgiveness and showing me my dad for who he really was. Once he did that and really began to soften my heart, I, I forgave my father. And now I have nothing but compassion. Um, and, and really, I wish very badly that my dad would have had and known of this concept of a father wound um, so that, you know, maybe he could have, his life could have gone a different direction. Yeah. John, well, I am sorry for your, about your father. Um, thank you just so much for being open and vulnerable and, and, uh, and just sharing that. Cause uh, I know, I know it's been some time now, but Still, regardless, I mean, I don't know what that's like uh, to have lost a father. So I just want to give you love for just being open um, and and just and sharing your story, right? Because it is so important. Like, and thank you too for like taking a step backwards and being like, okay, that like that wasn't easy. You know what I mean? It may have been easier because he wasn't physically here, but thank you for like jumping into that process um, of healing. And honestly, what a beautiful story that you were able to find empathy and compassion for him. Uh, once you were able to understand a little bit more about his life and, you know, some of the hardships and the struggles that he went through. And I just think in life, it's, um, you know, to really just try to understand people's perspectives and not only in this, but in literally in every walk of life where, you know, we can be angry at somebody or, or just have, um, you know, not so great emotions or feelings towards them. Uh, and I feel this way towards people sometimes too, right? There's some people that in a moment, it's like, mm, I don't really like you. And then I'm like, all right, that's not, <laughs> that's not a good vibration for anybody. That's not helping me having this negative thought about this person. Um, so that's something, you know, I, I work into every day is trying to understand the other person's perspective uh, and just more of where uh, they come from. Because there's moments with my father now where I'm like, we are just so different sometimes. And we were more similar when I was younger, but as I feel like I'm growing more just like spiritually and emotionally, we are, you know, we're, there's a separation there. And in that separation, when that comes to a head, it really troubles me and bothers me, right? Because I kind of feel us in moments drifting apart, but also in that drifting apart, there's a, an area there for us to become stronger with each other through empathy and through compassion, through forgiveness, through understanding, uh, through all these things. And, um, you know, talking to my mom sometimes and, and talking to him too, I'm starting to understand more of like where he grew up and what, where he came from. And it's like, that's why you feel that way about this thing. Uh, and who am I to judge you on how you feel? You know, your experience was different than mine. And it's like every single person where we're meeting or seeing them, they had a life of experiences and trauma and grief, also good things too. But, you know, we're just meeting them in that one moment, but everyone's life is different coming from their own experience and their own perspective. Uh, so honestly, that's just helped me in moments too, just compassion uh, and more and more understanding. Uh, and I Dude, think it, yeah. yeah. You, you got it. 
you nailed it. I mean, you figured it out. What took me like 41 years <laughs> to, to figure out, right, as of like 11 years ago. And the thing is, the thing that I came to understand, and especially as this father relationship, father-daughter, father-son relationship, and this is, this is key. This is, this is something everyone needs to know because it was pivotal. It was a turning point for me is understanding this. My dad could not give what he did not have. And, and so understanding and hearing more stories about my dad, the fact that he grew up, his, his mom was married five times, once or twice to the same guy, didn't have a stable father figure, didn't know how to be a dad, a man, a husband, none of that. I mean, he had no clue. He was dropped off in the middle of New Orleans when he was 16 years old to just live on his own. His mom just said, hey, have a good life at 16, right? And so the, the, the more of those kind of stories, that's when it hit me. I was like, my dad, wow. The fact that he even survived and stayed alive through all that he had to go through was pretty amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But as you said, it's, it's understanding where they came from. And, and, and that goes into how we as fathers in present day, are we're, we're forming and shaping our child's normal, right? So I'll tell you a quick story. We interviewed an inmate, and I'll never forget his name was Jose in Houston. And he talked about how at 10, 11 years old, his mom would send him down the street to grab his dad out of the bar. His dad would just be hammered drunk. He'd get him back home. And he said, Jose said, John, I would sit there and proceed to watch my dad physically and verbally abused my mom. So he said, when I turned 16, when I thought I was a man, quote unquote, right? Guess what I started doing? He said, I started getting drunk and I started verbally and physically abusing my mom. Mm. That was his normal. That was what he, I mean, as weird and as extreme as that sounds to many, that was what he thought a real man was. That was his normal life. That was the environment he was growing in up every day. So for us as fathers, we're creating that normal. And as dysfunctional as some of us may be, <laughs> right? and the stuff that we have, we've got to be begin to understand that the real true influence we have as dads and the normal that we're creating for our kids every day. It's... That's so true because right that kid that's their reality that's just all that they know and coming like and how grateful are we to come from this perspective that that is not what we know right like be in this moment right now and be like wow I'm super grateful that that was not the reality that I grew up in as as a child and um even right it could sound just bizarre or just so out of the norm for me but that was so in the norm for Jose there was just nothing else that existed in, the, in that reality. That's just what he saw every day. So he's like, yeah, this is right. This is how I'm supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do as a man. And that's just wild. And, and the work that you're doing is really, as we're kind of peeling the layers back, is so, so important. Because like you've been saying, it like literally creates the environment and the reality that that child grows up in. Like we are, we are helping form who they are. And that is a extremely important role to take on just as a parent uh, in general. It is, and especially now, I think, with the in the day of social media, with all the hatred and vitriol and just all the mess, especially with my teenage daughters, you know, 
it's creating this this safe place at home and a positive place, right? Uh, I was just having this conversation with my youngest daughter last night, and she's going through some tough times, and and it's crazy. Girls can be brutal. <laughs> it's it's nuts, yeah. and. So even at the junior high level and high school level, and she's going through some stuff with some friends, but she's a positive kid, you know, and, and the fact that she was not positive and bubbly and, you know, real optimistic in the day, some people realized that and came over to her and were like, hey, what's going on? You're not, you know, your normal self. And, and, and as a father, I take I'm pride in that, you know, and, and you kind of go, wow, OK, maybe I've done a little something right because I've done a lot of things wrong. <laughs> right. So but, but it's in, in a day in social media where, man, there's just somebody sitting behind a keyboard or a phone can spew such hate. And it's that whole hurt people, hurt people and miserable people love to make other people miserable and and that type of thing. It's it's a game changer for all of us, and especially as dads, it's like, man, we've got to be in the in the trenches, helping our kids be positive in a world that's so crazy negative. If you know what I mean, I I really do. So right, the whole like hurt people, hurt people, is something I'm really wrapping my brain around and bringing more into my awareness, so that when somebody is just nasty or rude or mean. I think everyone's initial reaction or most people's mine included is to kind of clap back at that person and to come back and to be angry and, and just to completely give them back what they just gave you. But understanding that that's not what that person needs in that moment, understanding that that person is really hurting because if they weren't hurting and in a low place, those actions don't even exist in their reality. When you're when you're feeling great and good and uplifted and high vibrational and good energy and you're feeling love, that stuff, the nastiness, the meanness, the rudeness, it doesn't exist to you. So in knowing that, when a person acts that way, we have to know and have sympathy and empathy for that person to be like, you need help actually right now. You're, you're, you're really, really hurting. And it's so obvious because of how you're treating other people. And so it's literally in those moments, instead of being like really mad back at the person, be taking a step back and be like, okay, you actually need love right now more, more than anyone else. And like you said, I, you know, it funnels back and it, that's why the role of a parent or a father is so important because if your child is a hurt person hurting other people, it's like, we have to help that child as, as a parent. I mean, everybody, but really as a parent to jump in and be like, okay, like what, like what is happening here? Because now you're not only hurting yourself, you're, you're projecting that energy out into the world. And that's obviously not good for, for anybody. I think the perspective that you just said, and it is, I've had it for several years now because of the people that I've kind of mentored and, and coached and stuff, you see it pretty quick. You know, you have those people that it's like, they're not happy unless they're unhappy, right? Yeah. They're just absolutely miserable. Yeah. And it's like, it's conversations, man, man, what's going on? There's a deeper thing here, yeah. right? There's another route to why you're always angry, you know, or always miserable, always complaining. There's more to that story. So I think if we begin to look at people and in those people that do lash out, like you said, somebody just loses it, right? Well, and even in most cases, the anger is not even projected at that person necessarily. There's this other stuff going on. They just, that person happens to be in the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like this guy's just having a horrible day or the, the, the female, and it's like, you just happen to be in the way. 
And it's like, I'm going to lash out at whatever, whoever I can. And, and unfortunately, in family settings, so many of the times, and, and we were talking about this last night with my daughter, it's the husband or wife comes home from a really tough day at work. I mean, just, you know, a day that sucks and they're just miserable, rough day. And they get home and, and the easiest ones to take it out on is our family members because they're closest to us, right? So the family member catches all the grief, <laughs> all the chaos from mom and dad having a bad day, but it's, it really is. It's, it's, it's really peeling back. Okay. What's really going on here? What's the deeper issue or the, or the bigger struggle of result of your anger? Yeah. And, uh, Eckhart Tolle is one of my favorite people. Um, and what he talks a lot about is, uh, our pain bodies. So like our pain bodies is all of our past emotional trauma and grief and all those things and negativity that we just carry with us always. And we identify as that thing or as that person, because that's what we've always felt. That's how we know ourselves. So we literally identify ourselves with that. So there's no separation with the unhappy person and like me, Justin, right? We are in, in that realm and you are one. There's So when there's no separation, then that's just who you are. And that's what you think. And again, because you identify yourself with that, you identify yourself as this hurt person, as this really sad person. And there's like familiarity to that. You know, there is um, a little bit of being more comfortable with it. And it's something that you really just experience more often. So you do, you just feel comfortable with it. And even though it actually makes you sad or pain, that sadness and pain feels like you and just feels comfortable and who you are. And even though it makes them very unhappy, it's like, well, this is just who I am. You know, and, Dude, and you know what? In, in the movie, we talk about this and, and this is very real to women who have been abused. Women who have, have grown up and seen their mom abused will most likely marry an abuser for this exact reason. As yeah. weird as that sounds, right? They're falling back into, again, their normal. And as bizarre as that seems, that's normal for them. The chaos, the stress, the tension of watching their mom be beaten or verbally or physically abused, that for somehow psychologically becomes normal. And, and they just fold themselves into that. And, and so the experts will tell you and statistics will tell you exactly that. And it's a, it's a great story uh, that goes into exactly what you said. I think, you know, th there's so much there in the sense that, that again, as dads, man, our behavior and the way that we love our wives, the way we act toward our wives, our little girls are watching because they're trying to figure out how they want to be treated, right? As they grow up and as a, as a woman, the boys are watching how they should treat women, mm -hmm. all women. And so they're paying attention. So I think as dads, so many times we, we forget that we have these little bodies running around that are, man, they're paying attention a lot closer mm -hmm. than we imagine or even realize. And sometimes we don't realize they're paying as close attention as they are. And I just kind of, I just thought about this right now. Uh, I feel like, and who knows, but I feel like most kids are probably mimicking, you know, their parents' uh, actions and things like that, I'm sure. But then I'm sure there's some kids that see that and they're like, 
I want nothing to do with that at all. And that actually could be the catalyst for them to be more loving uh, and kind uh, and, and empathetic for other people. Right. There's like, there's gotta be some of the kids that are just like, I see this and I know this is not who I want to be at all. And that actually helps them run in the other direction. Still overall, we want our parents to be great and kind and loving. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure there are those sides as well. That just um, allows that, that kid. Cause sometimes we have to see what we're not in order to know who we, to who we are, you know? Yeah. I, and I run into a lot of guys and men and women, both the, and it plays out in real life like that quite a bit. Like my old man was a jerk. I'm never going to be like him. Right. Huh. Uh, I'm going to do everything opposite. I've heard that phrase so many th different times. I'm going to, I was determined to do everything opposite of what my father did. But the bad part of that is we can get excessive even like if the dad's an overly military style, over discipline, you know, crazy man. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I'm going to be everything opposite of him. So then they become so lenient with their own kids that it, that's chaos too. <laughs> yeah. Got so it. Yep. It's like, find that middle ground, talk to other men, dads, figure it out. The ones that have, you know, that seem to somewhat be a pretty good dude and dad and, and lean into him, man, ask him to mentor you, ask him to teach you. I mean, I've got those guys in my life and I call all the time, like, look, I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. <laughs> so here's my scenario. Can you help me out? Yes. And asking for help. And I love that, man, because that is so brave and courageous to be like, I need help. It's so vulnerable. It's, it's such like a part of who we actually truly are to not have this facade of I can do everything on my own. It's like in moments when we need help, we should ask people, we should reach out and like have a beautiful network of people that we can do that with. Dude, men especially are so bad at that. And the older generation of men too. I think the younger generation is gets it a little more than we did. And it's but you look at guys my age in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, you'd be very hard pressed to find a guy that has one other guy that knows all his junk. That he can call at 3 a.m. when he's tempted to drink or do porn or whatever. That's going to they're going to talk him off the ledge, right? We don't, as men, we don't typically have those guys, and we need those guys. That band of brotherhood, right? Mm -hmm. We need one or two or three guys that know our junk and that can be, you know, hold us accountable. And and unfortunately. As men, we have this thing where if you know the real me, you're not going to like me because I'm all my junk, right? But all of us have junk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just that pride, machismo <laughs> crap that you just kind of go, come on, brother, get real and honest and, and, and authentic about your stuff. And, and we'll make some strides in relationships and friendships. And, and we all want it. You know, we mm -hmm. deep down, every man wants that bond with other men. Uh, but we're just sometimes just too prideful to do it. Absolutely. And I am uh, very blessed enough. I, uh, I joined a, a positivity tribe uh, about a year and a half ago. And every week we would do weekly calls and we would just be very open and vulnerable with each other. And it always ranged between maybe like 10 to 15 uh, men. And in that experience, I realized how rare that is. Like it really opened my mind to being like, because we appreciated it and cherished it so much. The reason why we did is because it didn't really exist anywhere else. And it is so, so rare that there's such a beauty in the space that we had 
but also a little sadness and the understanding that like that's not the norm and it's not very common at all um and john i just i want to ask you too um because this is going to go into another question but in in growing up with your father what was that like how how was he with you how was your relationship uh with him um because i'm curious how that has impacted and created the father effect how that impacts your relationship with your children now uh, so what was that what was that like with your father growing up you know it's interesting um the story of my forgiveness from my dad i was sitting in a counselor's office and and i'm a huge advocate of counseling because i think they're the guides you know that can walk us through the process the professionally trained people that know about the the importance of this father daughter father son relationship and the impact it can have on so mm. many different things whether it's addiction or incarceration you mean so much of that comes back down to a father wound in that father relationship and i was sitting in a counselor's office and I, and i remember just hearing and i'd been through about 12 sessions maybe 10 or 11 and i remember just hearing like how can you be so bitter resentful and angry towards a man who didn't know how to be a father and literally it was in that moment and every man's journey is different towards forgiveness right but it was in that moment it was just like this cold bucket of water got poured over my head all the way to my toes and it was like whew, my the anger was gone you know that the forgiveness had, had literally radically changed my life i remember walking out of the office that day and like the sky was blue i just stood there it was just like it was so amazing yeah the grass was greener and just all this stuff but in the midst of that journey we had many conversations and and i initially i couldn't even say the word dad without weeping bro i mean because i was so mad right yeah. and and dad the word dad just what it represented in my mind was just just stuff junk and whatever and so as we as the journey kept going i remember him asking me you know what are your fondest memories of your dad and and that hit me because i didn't have any i i don't remember anything with my father was just me and him and i was 11 when he committed suicide so i just thought i wrestled with it because i was like there's got to be something there <laughs> you know i was but and and I'm I'm sure there may have been some moments I just can't recall for whatever reason. Yeah. So that was difficult for me, and because I was so young, back to your question, at 11 years old, there wasn't a lot that I learned from him. You know, the, the thing I remember is he was a big man. I remember crawling up in his lap when I was a little kid, and he just smelled like cigarettes, sweat, and manliness. <laughs> You know, from, from what, I, I, what I thought manliness smelled like. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a combination of sweat and cigarettes or whatever. But he would roll his own cigarettes, Prince Albert tobacco. And he always had holes all in his shirts from the ashes, you know, that fell and stuff. But that's like the one main memory I have of my old man. And, and so, you know, I learned to be a dad and I've been very blessed to do so just with the people around me and, and in making the movie, you know, the last 12 years, dude, has has changed my life and legacy as a father. Everything that I've learned, the people I've been able to talk to, the experts, just other guys that share real stories that how they were impacted by the father and women so that I have three daughters. Right. So I'm, I've, that's, that's very close to my heart in fathers and daughter relationships. And so, 
Um, nowadays, there's so much out there. Resources. I mean, you know, 10, 20 years ago, when I was in the midst of trying to raise kids, we didn't have podcasts. We didn't have YouTube. You know, we didn't have a lot of these things. And so you just pretty much had to figure it out on your own or ask your buddies or whatever. Now there's, man, digital courses, books, podcasts, YouTube, all that stuff. There's so many things out there that you can use to help you become a better dad. But again, more so and more importantly, it's the other guys that have been there, done that and paid the dumb tax, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, with you saying that, you know, in that story, because I was going to ask you that too, like, what was that healing journey like for you, right? And how did you actually come to a place of forgiveness? Uh, and really touching on like, again, how can he give you what he doesn't have? It's like, what yeah, a paradigm it, shift. Yeah. It, it really was. And, and it was, you know, it was probably, I went to counseling for about three months, but I'm going to say overall, and the counseling, the, the end of the counseling was those pivot, that pivotal moment of forgiveness, what I found in sitting in the office that day. Um, but probably, you know, three months leading up to that. So it was a six month journey for me. And dude, it was, it was really tough. And I, and the, the thing is, I tell people all the time, I don't want to give you some, you know, false impression of what forgiving your father can be like, because it was, it was the toughest six months of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember going to counseling and my kids would get off to school. My wife would go to kickboxing and I'd come back home, sit in my recliner. And there were days I just bawled. I just, it was this refining process, man. It was this purification that I was needing to go through to, to get to where I needed to be, you know? And so the hardest times of my life, this six month period, knowing what I went through and it sucked, right? It was brutal. It was so, so dark at times even, but knowing what I got on the back end out, when I came out the back end, I would do it a million times again, Mm. because again, it was in that process. You know, I said it's, there's healing in the heartache, right? For many of us and very few will, for many of us, we're not willing to go through that, yeah. right? Especially as men, we don't want to get emotional. We don't want to cry. We don't want to, you know, again, it somehow diminishes who we are as men or, you know, makes us feel less of a man or whatever, if we weep or car cry or whatever. And so those that the very few that are willing to do it, it's life changing because you look at the father wound and how it impacts us. And again, as, as molded me, the betrayal, the abandonment, I was angry on so many different levels and it was seeping out into my life and my relationship with my wife, my kids, everything. Once that was gone, man, I, I was an alcoholic and I needed the alcohol to continue to survive every day to medicate and cover up this wound. Right. But once that was gone, I didn't need the alcohol anymore. So my relationships thrive, you know, it, it, it was just a total game changer. And so the, the, the concept of, and I was going to tell you this, just asking your mom, you know, stories about your dad's dad, asking your dad stories about your dad's dad. I just did a video on this, you know, seven stories that every father needs to tell his kids. 
because all of us as kids have this innate curiosity and know more about our old man. Where'd you come from? You know, well, who was your best friend growing? What was your favorite ice cream? You know, all these different things. And so it's like, you know, we as fathers need to be sharing those things because our kids want it, desperately want to hear those things from us. So why aren't we sharing? I remember, you know, when my kids were younger, I used to put them down and, and uh, we were laying in bed one night and uh, they asked me, what was your first job, dad? And I went on to explain them. I was at this Chuck E. Cheese. I worked at this place called Chuck E. Cheese, the pizza place. Mm-hmm. And like the first day they dressed me up on the rat costume and there's this big old head. That's the rat. Right. And the kids are pulling on my tail and I'm trying to turn around, but the head's not moving and I can't see, <laughs> you know? And so it's this crazy scene and my kids to this day, we went on to next thing I knew three hours later, we're still talking about my jobs. I mean, and they were laughing. And I mean, they still to this day harass me about being the rat at Chuck E. Cheese. It's in those stories, man, that that the intimacy with my daughters has become so real mm-hmm. and they get to see dad for more than just dad. Right. They get to peek into who you were before you were dad because you had a whole life before you were dad. Right. And they just want to know a little bit about that. And John, I'm so I'm so happy, not for your dad, but for you that you were able to forgive him. Because the fact that you said you walked out of that therapist office that day, it was like you saw the sky for like the first time. And like the trees and the sun, because you were finally in that moment able to release all of that tension and all that energy that was just so, so stuck in you. And right when we can forgive the forgiveness is really, it's for us, right? Because now I can just, even in you telling the story, man, I can tell how just like uplifted and how much happier you are. And I can literally feel the release of all of that coming off of you. And yeah, it was, yeah. dude, my wife's a prime witness to it. You know, she, I've had many men that I've, I've coached and kind of mentored and the wives will reach out to me and go, well, how did you know? How did your wife know that you'd really change? Blah, blah, blah. And my wife could see it. Mm. It's not just talking about, oh, I've changed. No, it's for real because she sees that I've changed. You know, I can talk all day long about how I've changed, but unless she actually sees it, I remember, you know, one of the bittersweet moments with her is about a year after I'd found forgiveness. And she really saw this incredible transformation in me. Um, and again, not of my doing. And in my case, it was totally God. Because uh, I'm a knucklehead, as I explained. And, and he, I remember having the conversation with my wife. And I said, you know, do you have any regrets? And, and she said, you know, the only regret I have is that the John Finch I have today was not the John Finch I had for the first 14 years of our marriage. And, and I remember sitting there and eventually just smiling, going, man, I got the second chance. There's a lot of guys out there that may get it, but don't take it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of guys out there that never want a second chance. It's like they literally just want to keep living this miserable life. And so it was bittersweet. But at the same time, it was like, wow, you know, I'm just lucky and blessed and fortunate that 
that I somewhat figured it out or, or that God gave me a second chance <laughs> to figure yeah. it out. And when you actually truly experience forgiveness, like, of course you change because you're literally not the same person anymore, right? All those things are gone. All of that torment that just was kind of like this dark cloud that just hung over you forever. And I don't even mean just you, John. I mean, like anybody, you know what I mean? You can finally release. So like, yes, you are in that moment now, just a completely new person and a person that is able just to in life, whenever we're down, whenever we're feeling negative, all that stuff that just brings down all of our energy, that brings down who we are as a person. So when we're actually able to release those things from who we are and, and experience more of the love and joy and happiness, like, of course, that changes our entire reality and the whole rest of our lives. And like, everybody wants to be happier, right? And feel more joy and feel more peace within themselves. So I'm just so, I'm so happy for you that you were able to find that peace and, uh, and that forgiveness in your father. Cause that's just like, so it's just Bro, so good for you. Yeah. Hey man, I, I appreciate it. And, and the reason I do what I do is a big part of it is, is this, is the forgiveness piece, you know, and you said it, it, we're not forgiving others for others. It's for us. I mean, the, the, the damage that's being done is to ourselves yeah. because of the hatred, the anger, all the stuff that we're carrying that again, most of us don't even realize is mm -hmm. seeping out and, and reaching every aspect of our life yep. in some way or another. And so to, to finally release that and to heal that, the freedom, brother, yeah. the freedom that comes from that, it's unreal. It is a It is the game changer, in my opinion, uh, of what so many men and women need to, to start, you know, try to take that journey. And again, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, right. it's pretty brutal at times, but yeah. it's, it's, man, I, again, I would do it a million times over, brother. Right. And it is, right. It's difficult, but look how worth it it is to put that work in and to change your life. Because really, in that shift, you're just living a happier life. You're being, you're being a better father. You're being a better person to everyone around you. And like, who, I mean, I just feel like that's the goal of like, of most people's lives. You know what I mean? And, in that, in the forgiveness, it is really so beautiful because I feel like so many times when we don't forgive somebody, a lot, at least for me, a lot of my attention is like at that person, like my, like my unforgiveness hurts them. You know what I mean? But like in reality, it's just killing me. And like you said, I think it's, it is so important to bring our awareness more back in and understand it's actually affecting us. We're the ones who are hurting and in pain from it. And John, it is so true. I, in this thought, I always think about it's just hurting me, but you're so right where in that pain of myself, it is funneling out to the people around me. It's not just staying within me. It is creeping out little by little and affecting those people as well. Well, and, and it too, it's, it's the, what do you got to think about? It's generational. Yeah. So if I'm an angry, ticked off dude all the time, you don't think that's going to be impressed upon imprinted upon my kids? Yeah. And it is. I mean, I could tell you story after story, and it doesn't matter whether it's anger and, and a lot of it can be addiction that's covering up the anger. Like in my case, yeah. it was alcohol. Man, if I could medicate this anger and this wound, pretend I didn't have it, then I could justify my behavior any way I wanted. Right. Well, you don't know. You've never walked in my shoes. My old man commits. I had all this crap, all this excuses. And the thing that we've got to understand, and I came to understand too, is 
and this is important, is at some point we got to get to the point where you're no longer living as a victim. Yes. Like the victim mentality is brutal in this day and age. Everybody loves to play the victim. As a, as a father, I see it in, in trying to be consciously aware of my girls and saying, hey, no, 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 we're not living as a victim. No, 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 no excuses. We're not going to play the victim because everybody loves to play the victim. It's not my fault. It's always somebody else's fault, right? So the victim mentality could be a generational curse too. Again, passed down as a normal life thing and rejection, fear. There's all these things that can be passed down if we're not careful and, and purposeful and intentional in what we're doing in our homes every day. Yeah, I was having this conversation the other day about how we all experience trauma. We just all do, right? So in that, it doesn't invalidate your trauma, but you're kind of like, you're not special because we're all experiencing this. So if you to anybody, for you to play like the victim card, and I played this before too, I'm talking to myself right now. For you to play the victim card in a situation, you're just hurting yourself, right? If you're like, well, this happened to me. Well, a million worse things happened to this person and that person and that person and that person, right? So when we can kind of understand that more and understand that this thing isn't, isn't special, it's actually really quite common in many, many different variations. But because the victim card is detrimental to who you are as a person, it will never serve you ever. It'll do the exact opposite. It'll make your life miserable. It'll bring you down. And when you play the victim card, you give all of your power away, right? You give it all to that person or that situation that created you to be who you are. And by putting it all on that person or that situation, well, then there's nothing that can change unless that person or that situation changes. And again, our attention is outward, but it needs to be from inward. It needs to come from the inside because when we change, and you are the example, John, like when we can change who we are, and that was your, um, you funneled that through forgiveness. But when we can change who we are, then everything else around us changes. And that gives us our power back to understand that we are insanely, incredibly powerful, but not when we are playing the victim card and we're giving that away to somebody else. We lose it totally. Yeah. And, and I think this is where we get lost in because of social media again, too. I think we as, as, a, as a society we will go to incredible extents and links to pretend to be somebody we're not. Mm. And I was that guy. I was really good at it for 30 years. You know, I was a traveling salesman, had an unlimited expense account. Everybody thought I was this incredibly successful guy, but I was freaking miserable, <laughs> you know, and I was a yeah. different guy at home than I was on the road. And it was all this just chaos. And, and for me, it was almost like I got a high from playing the game yeah. of being a poser of being a fraud of, of living, you know, this different life on the road than what I did at home and pretending to be something that I wasn't. And so we go to great extents to do that And it. And it's, there's an issue, you know, again, that's a deeper thing. It's the pain. And so for me, it was the addiction. How can I cover up and pretend this doesn't exist? And, and all of us do that in many different ways, whether it's, pornography, alcoholism, gaming. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And, and the important thing, I think John Eldridge, who we interviewed for the movie, does a great job in pointing this out. And I love it. He talks about how so many doctors nowadays, we go to the doctor and there's a, there's a symptom, right? And so they give us a prescription. 
let's take care of the symptoms. They never get to the root, right? So as a person with a father issue, a father wound, if you will, we can continue to avoid it, continue to not really go there, to continue to not really deal with it. But until we figure out what the real root of our pain of why we're drinking or what our addiction is or whatever we're trying to cover up, till we find the root of that, we're going to continue to be miserable. Once you find the root, and again, in, in my case, it was abandonment and betrayal. Once I then it clicked for me, oh, this is why I behave the way I do. This is why I do what I do. The, all the craziness, and the chaos and stupidity. Once I found that, then I could work from there, right? Yeah. Then I could work toward forgiveness for that and for my father. So it's getting to the root and realizing what is behind all this. And all of us have our junk. You said this. I don't care. It's, it, my perspective is so totally different now than it was 10 years ago. Because all of us, I picture people walking around with black, big black trash bags, you know, carrying our junk. We all got our junk yeah. and we all have got, had experiences and been damaged and have wounds and scars and all the mess. Right. And so it's like, I don't care who you are either. I don't care if you're famous, if you're a rock star or whatever. Some of those guys even have more baggage than we do. <laughs> so Seriously. it's like I, I star, you know, I'm not starstruck anymore. I could care less. I don't care if whoever walked in the room right now, I'm not going to go bursting up and Oh my gosh. That dude's just as jacked up as I am, you know, mm -hmm. and he struggles with the same stuff I do. And sometimes in more case, in, in, in a lot of cases, he struggles with more because he's got money and fame and everything else. And John, do you feel like your relationship with your father, was that one of the like main causes in the father effect coming into this reality and you creating that? Yeah. Well, and, and really the, the lack of a relationship, right? Because even when my dad was, so I was 11 when he died, even when I was alive and he was alive, uh, <laughs> he was still gone a lot. And here's the interesting concept. And this plays out, this phenomenon plays out so much is I remember at one point, so I'm 41 years old and I catch myself going, wow, I said that I would never want to be like my old man but I'm just like my old man because I was drinking. I was an alcoholic. I was traveling all the time. I was gone all the time. And that's what my dad did. That's what was his struggle and his issue. Right. And so I know grown men that, and I have been best friends with them, college roommates, high school people that said all their lives, never going to be like my old man. Mm -hmm. And they've turned around and they're just like their old man. They don't even see it. They don't even realize that they have become their old man. The old man that they hated and despised so greatly, they've become that guy, but they can't see it. You know? And so mm -hmm. it's, it again, is that, that father effect and the, the incredible influence we have as fathers on our kids and just being able to be purposeful, intentional, and understanding that in living like we understand and know that every day. Yeah. Wow. That is a, yeah, it's a, it's impactful. And it's something that, I mean, look at the work that you're doing with the father effect and how many people you're helping and how many lives you're touching. Right. And um, it's like all of our experiences, they kind of build up to something. They build up for some purpose. 
right? And that whole experience with your dad, with how you know traumatic and how difficult that was for you for years and years. It's beautiful to see you on this side. It's beautiful to see the work you're doing with the father effect. It's beautiful to see you now in this place of forgiveness. Well, dude, I, I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you, man, and, and what you're doing. And, and I think just the simplicity of spreading love. You know, I think, and again, for me, this is why I love your heart and what you're doing is it, it really is in this world that's so negative and so pessimistic. We've got to have the guys like yourself out there, man, just being positive because, you know, from a fathering perspective, I, I'm really sensitive to this with what my girls, just the, how they're bombarded every day with such distorted messages mm. and, and, and influencers that are just distorting their view of priorities and just all of, and, and of, even of self, right. And of identity and all the things, especially with young ladies, this comparison thing, which they're just, you know, hammered with every day. And so I, I love again, what you're doing because it's, it's so positive and it, and it, it is what it is. I mean, it's making an impact in a way that, you know, I don't even know that most realize you may not even realize it's, it's the same way with me. A lot of times I, you know, the book and the movie, I won't hear all the stories of how it's been used to change lives and impact families and stuff, but you know that what you're doing is good, right? You're in your sweet spot. When you're in your sweet spot, bro, and you got that purpose, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, man. And honestly, it's people like you that inspire me to do it more. For real. Like when I get to have these conversations with just incredible people, it's like there's so many good people out in the world. And it just inspires me more and more and more. And there is so much negativity out there. And there's got to just be people who can stand up and be like, yes, of course that is there. But oh my gosh, look at the bountiful amount of good that's out in the world. There's infinite amounts of love and joy and kindness that exists in the world. It's just where are we putting our focus, right? There, it's all there, but we can live in the reality of just straight negativity and bad news if that's where we put our focus, or we can understand that's there, not be inundated with it, be aware of it, but not be so emotionally drained and attached to it and put more of our focus onto the positive and the love. Cause that is, I honestly, I truly believe that there's more positive and love in the world. It's just media and things obviously focus on, on the other side of it, unfortunately. Dude, I, I think yeah. I think you should start a social media group, a platform. And it's not I thought about this seriously not long ago. I was like, I just wish there was a platform out there like a Facebook or whatever. It was nothing but positive news. <laughs> you know? know. You can go on and just be encouraged. Story after story after meme after tweet or whatever, you know, quote. I'm like, bro, that's what I want. I'm sick of all the other stuff. I don't even hardly go on Facebook anymore. We've got a little group for the for nonprofit on there. And that's really the only reason I'm still on there. But it's like, that's what I want. I want to be encouraged and inspired and motivated every day. Not all the other junk. And it's just, wow. Whew. And that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people, right. Like everyone wants more good news and more positivity, but there's just moments where people don't really know where to find it. Or because there's just so much more of the negativity, it is just easier to find that. And it just takes a little bit more work or you think that the positive stuff doesn't really exist that much because there's just way fewer of them. Uh, so yes, a, a big change like that would be huge 
if a platform like that could exist. Uh, but also, I think it just it, it just it's all of us just coming together, standing up for love and positivity, and not letting all the other stuff take us down so much. Uh, and John, the question I am really excited to ask you, I ask every uh, guest on the podcast. So just to preface it, uh, my goal in life uh, with just my soul, not even like Justin, just like with my being uh, and spread love movement is to help shift the collective consciousness of this planet to be in a place that is more kind and loving and peaceful, joy-filled, empathetic. Most importantly, a consciousness that is more one and more united and more together. Um, so John, in all your efforts, man, all the stuff you're doing, what do you feel like you are doing each day uh, or plans moving forward uh, that really aid and help in this shift of consciousness? You know, I think you mentioned earlier, uh, for 30 years, man, I, I played the poser and I was really, really good at it. For me now, man, I, I am who I am, bro. I, I, I think and I hope you've probably seen it. Uh, I try to be the best and most authentic and real dude that I am. All my junk, I got no problem sharing it. Here's my stuff, man. And I think in that, other people, especially with men, their walls kind of come down. They're like, wow, wow, this, wait, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one struggling with it and I'm not all alone. Wait, you've struggled with, you know, alcohol and all this other stuff too. So I think it's it's in taking the time to have those one-on-one -on -one real relationships with my neighbor, you know, or with the guy down the street or the guy at work or whatever, having the honest, open, real, authentic conversations about what life's really all about. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about, man, the relationships. And so I hope and 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 think that the example that I'm I'm trying to set every day, and again, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I mess up all the time. But the example that I'm setting for my kids and for those around me, uh, I hope is a positive one and that they see there's something a little different about me, maybe a little weird and <laughs> whatever, but there's something different for sure. Yeah, I love that, man. It's being the best version of yourself, uh, being vulnerable, being who you truly are, uh, coming from a place of love. I literally couldn't uh, agree more, right? Because it's not anything outside of ourselves that is going to create this shift. It's us being love right and just being and that vulnerability is love openness is love being our truest self that is love because who we truly are is love so when we can actually come forth and be that that is just like the purest form of love that we can show so i appreciate that answer so much there's never like a wrong answer but that that was uh that one is just really aligns uh with me and, and that whole um vision of shifting the consciousness as well um so john just before we do cut out of here uh, if you can just let people know, please, where to find you on social media, the book, um, movie. I know you mentioned YouTube, but uh, just give a refresher for everybody, please. Yes. Yeah, so the movie, The Father Effect, uh, it's free on YouTube, six, the 60 minute version. We've got a longer version uh, that you can get on our website. Uh, and then I, I'm at the handle, The Father Effect, pretty much everywhere on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. Awesome. And I'm sorry if you mentioned this, where can we get the book? Just anywhere, Amazon? Yep. It's available on Amazon. And that's that's really, honestly, the easiest, probably less expensive place to get it. <laughs> it's kind of hard to beat Amazon in anything, yeah. right? So uh, I think on the website, we're doing autographed copies, but but Amazon is, yeah, it's the, the least expensive one for sure. Sweet. And I'm sure the website is just, is the father effect. 
Dot Correct. Com. The father effect. effect. Dot com. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. thank you, buddy. John, I am so grateful for this conversation. Uh, really, Mike had just the nicest things to say about you. And um, really, I, like, I cherish these conversations. And you are just such a beautiful person. I appreciate you so much, what you're doing for the world um, and your openness and vulnerability. So just thank you, buddy. Thank you, brother. And thanks again for having me and keep up the great work, man. Thanks, my dude. And everybody, uh, we have so much love for you. Uh, we hope this conversation helped um, open your mind a little bit to different things, finding empathy for other people, the power of forgiveness. Like, wow. Opened my mind even more to that as well. Uh, feel free to reach out to John. Check out his book. Check out his movie. Message him anywhere on social media. Uh, if you are struggling in a way, if you're a father who may be struggling, if you're uh, a child who's struggling with your father, with your parents, I just feel like John is uh, an incredible resource uh, for that. And those relationships are so important. And when we're struggling with them, uh, we need people like John to be able to reach out to. Um, so everybody, so much love for you. Thank you for being here. We will see you next time. And uh, thanks again, John. You bet, man. Thank you.